going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hasagan. To my left, as always, the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, sir. What's going on with you? Oh, it, it, I'm dying slowly out there, man. It, it is it is hot out here today, folks. It, it's one of those ones, you know when you wake up and you hear the cicadas at like 6 a.m. <laughs> and you're just like... Oh, it's going to be an uncomfortable day. It's one of those up here in the Northeast. It's absolutely brutal. It's about 90 already, and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. So nuts, yo. It's absolutely brutal. Folks, again, you can listen to these podcasts all the way back. If you want to stay in the AC and you need something to do instead of you know watching the same old video game content on Fortnite, you can, in fact, listen back on the FCS Opening Drive podcast all the way back to the Big Sky Conference on SoundCloud and YouTube. Wait, so people watch Fortnite? I thought they play it. They play it, and then there are people that actually, they, people post videos on YouTube, and people watch people playing Fortnite. I, I guess it's kind of like sports, right? Where you're kind of watching people play sports. Sort of, but with people with no athletic ability whatsoever. So <laughs> well, again, that, that's a lot of the people that were, you know, watching others play sports. Myself included. Anyway, <laughs> you can listen to these podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Don't forget, you can go onto footballgameplan.com. For all your football content from every level, you can go anywhere from CFL to the pros to NAIA. Emery's got it all covered. And you can also follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery. It is Patriot League week. The running joke of last season, but before we get to any of that... I love the Patriot League, by the way. We do love the Patriot League. It was a weird year last year, but first, can we please stop and... Let's give it up for IHOP. Let's, well done for the troll job of the century done by IHOP. The IHOP name is gone. It was a total, total troll job. They are still the International House of Pancakes. It was a burger campaign. If, if you believe that line of excuse that they threw out there, then you also believe in the Easter Bunny. <laughs> here's, what, here's what they did. It is to you since this is a football podcast. Let's use a football reference. It is like when a cornerback is responsible for man coverage and totally thinks it's zone, but the safety back deep had no responsibility, so he's <laughs> over the top to save the play. Oh, like wow, what a great coverage! The corner passed off the receiver to the safety. <laughs> safety was over the top to make the play. No, the corner effed up. The safety saved his ass. So this is what happened with IHOP. So they saw the they saw the backlash and was like, you know what? Nah, we was just joking. It, it was we we wasn't serious. We were just playing. We were just playing. We 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 just want to sell burgers. Like you already sold burgers. It's it, it it's one of those things where you when we initially saw it, we're like, what are they thinking? And then you get the the, the excuses like, sure you did, sure right. you did, but still. Well played, I hope. The whole world told them they were stupid. You either trolled people brilliantly, or you have done a complete saving of your own ass with this campaign. It, here's, how, here's how you uh, fact check their statement. You go on LinkedIn, you see who is in charge of public relations or marketing, <laughs> and see if they've updated their, their profile on LinkedIn. <laughs> are they still there? No. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. There it is. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the Patriot League, let's, we're going to go through a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to go... Uh, Later on the show, we got big games, of course. We're going to talk about some uh, new head coaches that are coming down yep. the line. We're going to go position by position, see which which squad has the best I love position, position you, man. I love position you. So we'll talk about that. But let's start with the 2017 
in review. And as we said to start things off, it really was the running joke of the season. Because we, I mean, going into last year, you, you know, we both thought, a lot of people thought Patriot League was going to be all right. You know, they always have, you know, one or two teams that are really, really good. You know, we're going to have some fantastic players in this league. They're going to come out and go, you know, get drafted and this whole thing. Nobody wanted to win the Patriot League. Nobody. Lehigh ends up winning the whole thing with a 5-1 and one record, 5-6 and six in the regular season. They lose in the first round of the playoffs. The only team to make it without a winning record. Colgate gets left out in the cold with a 7-4 record, also 5-1 in the conference. They were the only team above 500. What in the world happened in the Patriot League this past season? You know what? It was interesting to watch the entire thing play out because you had a lot of different elements go into what we saw last year in the Patriot League, one of which was the fly in the ointment team that we talk about every week and uh, every week on this podcast during the season. That team last year was Lafayette. Yeah, Lafayette had a great year in the Patriot League, and they were throwing off a lot of what we thought was going to happen. Colgate started sluggish, but they ended up riding the ship and by all intents and purposes should have been in the playoffs, at least as an at-large bid. Uh, but, you know. We, oh, committee. Yeah. We, oh, you know, the committee. Now, granted, like Cole, if, if we're going to put Colgate on the list of teams that should have got in, they're probably third on that list. They were probably they should have been like the first team out. Right. Or like first or second team out. Right. Because, really. you know, you had McNeese, you had Nichols, and you also had Austin P. Right. Now, Nichols was in, but you had McNeese, Austin P., and then probably Colgate, right? Right. Um, so the first three out. Yeah. And, and so, but Colgate probably should have gotten in. But that's why you have to really win your games. and But as much as we joked about how nobody wanted to win the Patriot League, it also shows a competitive balance yes. was in the Patriot League because you look at what they were able to do out of conference. And that's big for us here on the FCS kickoff of you know what you do out of conference. And I talked about how underrated the NEC was. We always talk about the CAA and the, um, the Missouri Valley Conference. But to be honest, the Patriot League does a really good job in playing out-of-conference games, and they win these out-of-conference games. So that's what would made the in-conference matchup so unique is that, yeah, we knew Lafayette had offense, didn't really have defense, but they took advantage of a down year defensively, collectively, in the Patriot League. Yeah. And that's how they're able to get in. Well, you talked about, you know, the teams, you know, Colgate starting off slow. Don't forget, they started with a ranked win over Cal Poly. Right. Out then, of conference. And then they only lost to Richmond by three. Number they should have won that game, Richmond, too. They, they only lost 20-17 to 17 before they lost to Buffalo and Furman. But you, you said at Lehigh, I mean, they were, the Mountain Hawks were flying high quite literally last year. Yes. I mean, you're, you're talking about, as you said, they were basketball scores they were putting up. I mean, they put up. 35 and a loss to Villanova in the first week. They could have beaten Villanova, by the way. Lost 38-35. Uh, 27 against Monmouth. 28 against Yale. 47 in a loss to Penn. No, no. Hit, all right. Let's pause. Because <laughs> I was at that game against Penn. And here's some backstory to that. They gave up damn near 300 yards rushing to one player. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it was. Now, granted, they were scoring at will, but. Defensively, my goodness, brutal. I mean, they beat, they put up fifty four against Georgetown. They allowed thirty five to Georgetown. I was win. on the, I was on that game, that, that broadcast for that game. Shout out to Georgetown. That's just bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. But you talk about the other teams, you know, Lafayette, usually a power in this league. They were slugging last year. Bucknell though, came out and they finished five and six. And again, five and six, whatever. But again, in that league, 
that's tied for second overall in terms of total win-loss. To be honest, didn't Lafayette have a chance at the title? I want to say... Uh, they, no, they could have denied They could have denied Lehigh right, in the, in in the, the big game. game. In, yep. the big ga- in the game, if they had beaten Lehigh, they would have kept Lehigh from winning the whole thing because Lehigh's only... Colgate's only loss was to the Mountain Hawks. Well, what was so funny was that I think that week we were on the broadcast for Georgetown Colgate and we are kind of score-watching yeah. during the game, you know... Checking in on, okay, Colgate really couldn't watch the scoreboard. Yeah. But you have to play hard throughout. But you really want to know if Lehigh is, is losing because this game could decide whether or not you're going to the playoffs or not. And Lafayette had that game. They did. Lafayette had that game. They lost by a touchdown late. They also had the Bucknell game. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to lose. That that was brutal. That was actually, actually That brutal. may have been the worst loss in the Patriot League. I, I mean... Yeah, that's why coaches throw throw headsets. That's how chalkboards get punched. That's how Gatorade gets knocked over on the sideline. All of that on that one play. Yeah, in overtime. Yeah, and again, Lafayette, a team that's usually up there too when it comes to offense, they had a lot of time putting points on the board last yeah. year. They what got I, one. They're winning games 7 nothing. Shout out to their defense. Their defense was tremendous, and it by again the one week they didn't show up was against Lehigh, and Lehigh ends up. Going all the way and going into the postseason here. I mean, you did talk about these plays. On offensive side of the ball, this league is wide open. You had a draft. The only draft pick out of this conference came out of Fordham, Chase Edmonds, who, I mean, I know you're a huge fan of what Chase can do and what he's done over his entire career, obviously, at Fordham. But there were some high-octane offensive players yes. in this league last year, several of which have graduated now, but there are some coming back. What players do you see that jump off the page for you in terms of the offensive side of the ball? It's always about the quarterback play uh, when you're talking about this league, right? And yeah. uh, who can put up points. So Brad Mays, to me, yes. is the best quarterback coming back uh, in this conference. 28 touchdowns last year, 3,500 yards. He's special. So I think with him returning for his senior season, yes, he's going to be breaking in some new receivers. Um, but you got to love the offensive talent there. Don Bragalone, his running back, yeah. Three straight 1,000-yard seasons. Very impressive. Is he the next guy to get drafted out of his league? Could think? be. Or it could be uh, Isaiah Searight, the tight end out of Fordham. Mm-hmm. You know, another versatile athletic tight end. Uh, so there are some good offensive weapons in the running backs that you see at Colgate. Um, James Holland especially. Yeah. He, he's a force. He, he's 5'9", about 210. You know, short, stocky guy. Get out of the way. Yeah, Just the bowling ball. So there's some really good offensive players coming back. And but Jeff Jeff Wade too, uh, from Holy Cross. Um, yeah. You know, last year you had Peter Puyals, who's now with the the drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Where is he? I think he is with. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, maybe uh, he's he's in the NFL right now. He's right. on a, he's on a team. Um, Dang, that's going to bother me. So, <laughs> But when he was hurt two years ago, Wade stepped in nicely and, and kept that offense afloat. So I'm inter- interested to see how he does this year, the unquestioned full-time starter uh, for his senior season. And I, I think the other thing, too, was another storyline out of this conference. Again, it's a very small conference, only seven teams. Right. You had two starting freshman quarterbacks, two fr- true freshmen starting, and you had Sean O'Malley taking over at Lafayette, who – I think could be the next star out of this league. I mean, he threw for over 2,000 yards. His interceptions are a little bit high. He was a true freshman. True freshman, give him credit. But that's what makes what Grant 
Brenneman did at Colgate so impressive as a freshman. 18 touchdowns, 5 picks. He only threw for 1,600 yards. But only 5 interceptions as a freshman quarterback at D1 level? That's really, really impressive. Considering that they are known for their running game, you know, he brought balance that to the offense. That was a compliment. Yeah. It was a perfect compliment Perfect compliment. Offense. And you mentioned 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions to not make mistakes. Now, you look at his his play juxtaposed to Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Um, and both guys play well as freshmen. But, yes, Grant Brenneman probably – I don't know if he did win it. I don't have the stats in front of me. But he should have been in high contention for the Jerry Rice Award. Yeah. You know, given to the top freshman in the FCS. But that's, again, a guy that came in, leaned on that running game, leaned on, uh, you know, a guy like Thomas Ives, the 6'5 receiver out there, and good coaching he gets from Dan Hunt, my cousin. You know, so. Yep. He Coach does, of the year last year. He Listen, Coach Hunt is, one, he's hilarious. Two, he's a really good coach and a developer of talent. It, you're going to see the – the thing is, I talked – I said – I mentioned earlier uh, talking about why I love the Patriot League. One, I've met with all the coaches, except uh, Lafayette's coach, Garrett, um, and uh, I haven't been to uh, – where else I haven't been? Um, I, haven't been I, haven't, I haven't been to uh, Lehigh with, with Coach Cohen, but I've talked to Coach Cohen at Media Day two years ago. Right. So the only coach I haven't met with personally is uh, Coach Garrett at Lafayette, but I've sat down and talked with every coach. We've done a, a lot of segments. Um coaching segments they've been real good to football game planning and and good to what we have going here at the fcs kickoff but i, I said all that to say I, every coach in the patriot league is a phenomenal coach phenomenal person yes. a real good dude um and i you know most recently i met with the two new coaches coach chesney at, at holy cross and coach conlon at, at fordham two great guys two passionate coaches that are going to really inject more life into programs that i mean we've seen fordham have a lot of success yeah uh and uh holy cross you know they made the change but Ch- coach chesney was a really good coach at assumption uh in, in uh massachusetts a division two program and so i'm excited to see what they do there but all these coaches and their assistants you know i've been lucky to meet a lot of the assistant coaches when i go to the to the campuses there's a lot of great coaching going on in the patriot league that's why last year happened the way it did that's why you always see competitive balance yes. you know every coach is, is, is a great is a great guy and I'm not saying that because they let me come in and we did interviews <laughs> but they are genuinely great dudes like a lot of times when you go in and you film an interview segment you have uh you know you, you try it's to the res- same old question well no you, you kind of respect the guy's time you know yeah. like I'm a, I, I budget maybe 20 to 25 minutes let's get this interview but I find myself talking to each one of these coaches man spending hours there after we've done the interview. Yeah. You know, just talking about ball, talking about life. Uh, Coach Carlotta gave a great, uh, you know, gave me a great lesson on, you know, Sisu and, and you know, the history of Georgetown and all kind of cool stuff. And, you know, I'm a philosophy buff. He is as well. So we was talking about that and, it, you know, just a lot of cool stuff. Coach Susan was telling me about uh, martial arts. You know, he, he's a good. He's Are a you mar- doing that on the side now? Is that- <laughs> I should. I'm dressed for it today. <laughs> but you know, all these dudes are good dudes, man. I'm, that's why I love covering the Patriot League, and also I do broadcast uh, some of the Georgetown games. Um, so, so I've I've done a lot of I've, I've done a lot with the Patriot League, and I just enjoy what they have 
uh, going on here. Well, you mentioned those two coaches, and you know, obviously, both you know, Bob Chesney and Joe Collin, two you know, great people on, you know off the field. Let's talk about what they bring on the field, and we'll start with Bob Chesney. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, Emory, as he said, he did a big interview with him. It's on YouTube. It's on FootballGamePlan.com. Um, head coach at Assumption in D two for uh, I believe the past four years. I believe mm-hmm. is where he he was there. He put up that those teams put up some major major numbers. And then when you look at Joe Conlon, this is his first head coaching job, but he's spent the last five seasons as the offensive coordinator at Yale. And you know how much we love Yale. And we've offense. seen what they've done over the last three years building that program. This conference already has enough offense. We're about to see. You know, NBA basketball scores. We're about to see Golden State Warrior numbers putting put up. And what's funny about that is when you look at Coach Conlon and what he brings to the table, he's a defensive guy by nature. He played defense, defensive line at at Pitt. You never know it, right? You, <laughs> you know, so never know it. He he's a he's a really good defensive guy, but offensively, my goodness, he has really turned it on, become a young star in, in the coaching ranks. And you go back to 2014 when they put together that drive in overtime to knock off Army. Yeah. You know, when, they were, when Army tra- traveled to Yale, to the Yale Bowl, yep. and Yale beat them. Um, that drive, all inside zone, and just man, oh, man, we're going to beat you. We're gonna You're going to have to stop this running game, and he couldn't stop it. And you look at last year, what he was able to do, or two years ago when Yale was starting a true freshman quarterback and had a lot of freshmen playing, their offense was stable to – which led to what we saw last year, them, you know, breaking out and, and really, I think they won the Ivy League last year, right? Did Yale win the Ivy League last yes. year? So, uh, Collins' offense. So now you come, you bring that to Fordham, and we know Fordham has always been about offense. Uh, we're going to start to see their defense maybe get up to speed, but I, I like that that hire. And also Chesney, defensively, he's, a, he's one of the best. Yes. And the aggressiveness on both sides of the ball – you know, in the passing game, they're working touchdown to check down. Defensively, they're going to be in your face, pressing, daring you to throw a football to the cover guy. And those guys are able to make plays at assumption. He has an uptick in talent here at Holy Cross. Yep. The program is behind them. They want a winner out there uh, in, in, in at Holy Cross. And they, they have the backing to ensure that this program – becomes a premier program like it was in the late 70s, early 80s yep. uh, in the FCS. Well, Bob Chesney, I mean, his coaching resume speaks for it. He started his first head coaching job is Salve Regina. Now, for those of you who don't know what Salve Regina is, you're not alone. They're a very, very small school. He, in three seasons, went 23-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. He then goes to Assumption, goes to the Northeast 10, tough conference. His first year, he starts 6-5, and five, then goes 7-4. His last three seasons, 11-2, 9-3, 11-2. Finished ranked in the final poll at the end of the year. He was top. T- he got assumption up to number nine in the polls at the end of last season. This guy knows how to win. Period. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these two guys bring their offensive philosophies into a brand new league. Same area, same northeast general area, but now they got an, like you said an uptick in town, a little bit uptick in prestige. You can question that maybe between Yale and going you know going from Yale to Fordham, but Fordham again produced a draft pick in the NFL. They've got pieces to work with. Now it's time to let them loose. It'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, and uh, I know about the Seahawks of Salve Regina um, because I was on the broadcast for their ECAC bowl game at Central Connecticut State, I want to say 2015-16. This was after Chesney right. was left, but 
Yes, I'm very familiar with the Seahawks of South Virginia. Well, that makes two of us. I play, I play them in golf in college. That's about all I know about South Virginia. And I think they're like maybe like a thousand students or something like that. It's tiny. It's, it's a tiny. tiny, tiny school. Let's move on. And you said it's time to do position you. This is Emery. Emery is over I here love hopping. This. He, he's loving this. So we're going to go position by position, and we're going to make our picks of who has is the best program. Yeah, who has? You're right. Who usually has? You know, because I think a lot of people. This is always fun to do. Yeah, um, and it's very simple to say. How does this team not win more? You know, right. can you look at position by position? They've got all. They've got all the tools. Why can't they win? But it's going to be interesting to see that. Now, let's start with the quarterbacks. You know, the most important player on the field. Well, according to quarterbacks, uh, who do you have as the top quarterback core in this conference? Well, I would say, and and I have to preface this by saying, we talk position. You, 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 you maybe want to take a historical reference. And this team, this team seems to always have talent at this position. Right. That's what I. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about position. You is not necessarily relegated to this season. Right. So, I would say Lehigh. I would agree. Lehigh would agree that one. seems to always have a quarterback that can throw it around the yard. Last a uh, couple years ago was Shevnisky, uh, who's a really good quarterback. That led the transition to he get hurt he gets hurt, and Brad Mays has to fill in. First of all, when they signed Brad Mays out of Florida, Gene Clemens, our colleague at Football Game Plan, was like, "E, this dude they just signed because he he was down in Tampa at the time." Yeah, he was like, "Listen, this dude they signed is legit," and I was like, "Where is he going?" He's like, "He's going to Lehigh." Um, I was like, "Wow, they got a guy from Florida, you know, Tampa to bypass all them schools in Florida." And go and going up to Lehigh, yeah. And uh, Shabnisky was there. He was a well entrenched starter. Played some great football. He goes down for a couple games or so. Mays comes in and lights it up. And it was like, man, when are you going to see more Mays? When are you going to see more Mays? And they found a way to make both guys work. Shabnisky uh, finished a great career. I think he's now playing in. I don't. I don't know if it's a CFL or he may be in line to play in the American, the Alliance of American Football. But he has pro potential, right? And right. then Mays comes in last year as a full-time starter and, and, and goes off. So we've been on Mays for a while. Gene first, and he, he didn't want to hit me to it, but I will say Lehigh has the best quarterback. So you have. I, yeah, I, we agree on that one. Let's move on to the running back position. This gets a little bit more complicated. Really? Because I've got a tie. Oh, you have a tie. Lehigh and Colgate. I, I, I'm with you on Colgate. Because Colgate, like Colgate has had, what, two Walter Payton winners? Yes. Branch and- is one. And didn't Branch win it twice? I think he might have won it twice. And then they have another one too. Yeah, uh, the, the name is slipping my mind, but they they had a two headed monster last year too. They well, right. You had James Holland as who we talked about before, and Alex Matthews, who were both tremendous. But again, would he have the offensive player of the year in Don Bragalone? That says something. That's something to your who, to your program. I would also if you if I mean historically I mean it's it's, a, it's the way that they, the teams run their offenses though because Colgate always has a stable of backs but Lehigh always has that one game breaker. Right, true. I, I w- game. Uh, Abdullah is another one too from from yes. Lehigh. This is going way back. I want to say right here, but a- Abdullah uh, back when they were the Engineers. Oh jeez, they need to going. go back to those names. <laughs> hey, uh, the Mountain Hawks, the original yeah. names. Yeah. yeah, the Lehigh Engineers. This was in the nineties though. This is before you was born. Right. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you, so you think it's just Colgate on their own? I think it's just Colgate on their own. Like 
you got to run the football, uh, you know, in Hamilton, New York. And they, like you said, yes, they always have a stable of backs. But this even predates Coach Hunt. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, Colgate has had Walter Payton Award winners at the position. Uh, you know, they played in championship games because they can run the football. You know, they pumped out pro players because they can run the football. Yep. So I, I, I like uh, I like Colgate alone at that position. Okay. All right. Let's move on to are we, now are, we, are we combining wide receivers and tight ends? No. Okay. So let's start with wide receivers. Wide receivers, I'm going – I have a tie like you. Okay. Who do you got? Lehigh and Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, got, I have Lehigh alone on this one, but mm-hmm. why do you think Holy Cross is up there? Holy with? Cross quietly has some talent uh, at receiver. One plays right out here for the New York Giants now in Khalif Raymond. That's the more recent one. Um, Blaze yeah, Bell last Blaise year. Blaze Bell is, is one of my favorite players to watch because he's so versatile. Uh, and you also look at the kid they had uh, two years ago. Um, oh, I forgot his name. He was he was a big player in the, the Georgetown broadcast we did. But they've always had receivers. Um, and I, I just think that when you have – yes, it's kind of like what you said earlier where, where you have uh, the offense to kind of help you out in that case. I almost put Fordham on the list because of the, the, the trio they had at one point in time with the Bucky Jones Jr., mm-hmm. um, Sam Ajala, those guys. Uh, but Lehigh, obviously – you know the the dynamic duo they had last year in Holy Cross, I think, is a, another underrated one. Yeah, I would agree. I, I I think you know in terms, I mean, just the way Lehigh plays their game. I mean, as you said, you have a quarterback that slings it. You need offensive weapons to go get it, and they had that again last year. You look at a guy like Troy Pelletier, who was tremendous, phenomenal. Uh, Gatlin Casey up there again, who's now at Middle Tennessee State. It, so there there are, and again, they just reload. Yeah. At Lehigh. That's the thing at wide receiver. They just reload. It's like, okay, these guys are graduating. Next. Bingo. Okay, here we go. Let's move to tight end, though, because now it gets interesting because I got Fordham. I got Fordham, too. Yep, because, I, get, as you, I mean, you mentioned it. They've got just so many weapons just randomly at the tight end position. And, and again, there are schools that specialize in this. <laughs> right. There are schools that, for whatever reason, they produce two or three tight ends every you know four or five years that are going – either in, into the NFL or somewhere in the pros, in the CFL or something like that. Why is it Fordham? Two words. Ian Pace, mm-hmm. the tight ends coach over there. Outstanding coach, number yes. one. Outstanding recruiter and a good dude. So you talk about the tight end position at Fordham. Coach Pace has brought in and developed Dan Light, who spent some time with the Denver Broncos. He was part of that, that Tabucky Jones, Sam Majala group. With, right, right, you right. Know, so Dan Light. Great athletic tight end. Faison Odom was the next in line after Dan Light, the 6'8 tight end that had a cup of coffee with the Steelers. Right. Um, and now you have Searight, Isaiah Searight, who's going to be another pro tight end. So you're talking about teams that, I mean, you had South Dakota State draft, uh, get a, have a guy drafted in Goddard. Um, you have all these other places that are, you know, Villanova could have had a guy picked up but he was always injured but he was a good player but you see that line of scrimmage play there with, with those player pin yeah. um, but no one brings up Fordham but coach Ian Pace does a great job of making sure he's getting guys the right guys in put them in position to, to be successful and the reason why I like what he what he does is that all those guys maybe with the exception of Odom yeah. but he did get better in that capacity all these guys 
are not afraid to block, whether it's on wham blocks, kickouts, which is so critical. Right. They they at least end. have the want to, you know. Yeah. And exactly. so when you talk about a, a, a coach that can develop, well, recruit and develop at that position, and really have guys that are like, man, this this guy is balling, and you yeah. kind of take notice to the tight end position. Shout out to Coach Ian Pace. So let I mean I, we're agreeing on that one. Let's move to the O line. I think we've got differing philosophies here with you being a running back. Who do you have as your line? Oh, wow. Since you prefaced it that way, I have a standalone team. Who? Lehigh. We actually agree. Never mind. All there right. we go. Why are we going with Lehigh? Lehigh offensive line is kind of like their receiving position. They reload. Yeah. And they get guys that can, that you know, guys come in early and start, and they stay together as a core for four or even five years to get yeah. that fifth year back. So they, but they're all ready to go. They right all away. Are, right exactly. So they replacing three stars up front this year. But I guarantee those three guys that they're they're putting into the starting lineup are going to be postseason all all conference players. I bet you. Absolutely. And, and the thing with you know if you talk about you know people talk about having a strong offensive line in the running game, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. without the O line you have no running game. Right. When you have an offense like Lehigh does, where you're throwing the deep ball, the O line is just as important there as it is with the running game. Because if you're not willing to stand up there and get, you know, hit back for a good three, four seconds to let those receivers get deep in their progression, you're not going to be successful. So, all right. we Especially we, in this league when you have, like I said before, outside of last year, this is the league of defense. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So your off- offensive line has to be good. And let's talk about the defense side of the ball. Let's talk about D-line. Where are you, you going? You go first. You're going to find this a little weird. Go ahead. Georgetown. It's not as weird as you may think. <laughs> Do you also have Georgetown? I almost put Georgetown, but almost. I understand. I, listen, Georgetown defensive line, yes. You could make a strong case that, you know, yeah, you have them on your list. Beyond the D-line, it's a little questionable, but D-line. Their D-line is phenomenal, and they scary. get undersized guys, and they still are tough to run the ball against. So I'm not shocked that you took them. I actually like their defensive line. Christian Tate uh, being the best one out the bunch, but they've always they'll lose guys and they always have someone else coming in. Yeah. Tate was balling as a true freshman, but you and this guy played running back in high school. So his first time playing defensive line was at Georgetown and yeah. he balled out as a freshman. Yeah. So I'm not, that's a good pick by you. Thank you. That's a great pick. Now who do you have as a pick? Colgate. There we go. <laughs> there it Colgate is. defensive. The reason why I like Colgate's defensive line is because he's it's it's multifaceted. So yes. you could have a guy uh, like they had last year in um, Pat Afrie, who's now with I want to say he's with the Seahawks or the Chargers, but he's out west. Uh, signed as a free agent. I think he's with the Seahawks, so he's uh, one of those teams. Yeah, but he has a great chance to make it. Um, he's like an edge rusher. You know, pseudo weak side defensive end, outside linebacker type, but mm-hmm. he's on the defensive line. Brett Fields, a guy they had a couple years ago uh, that was on the defensive interior. And this defensive line, I watched him live. Uh, obviously, I do the, the, the Georgetown games, but I watched him play live against Syracuse. Yeah. And they gave Syracuse a problem um, for the first half. And yeah. so, because actually, they gave Syracuse a problem on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So that's why I like their, their, their offensive line could have been in the mix for a tie. But I think their defense line, because of how multifaceted they are, I, I gave them the nod at, at defense line. But I'm actually glad you chose Georgetown. You are very welcome. That's an underrated pick right there. People are sleeping on how good George. Shout out to Coach Scarlotta, who does a fantastic job 
with the deck stacked against him, yep. bringing in talent and having that team. Like the record may not indicate it, but Georgetown is in every ball game. Yes, and they're playing shorthanded. Yeah. Let's move on to the linebacking core. You're going to go first on this one. Who you got the best linebacker? This was an easy one for me. Is it? Yeah. Who? Holy Cross. Ooh. They are always stacked at linebacker. Ooh. Okay. Like Holy Cross, and and Holy Cross has a type. Yeah. All their linebackers seem to be 6'2", 235, 245 guys that can run, cover, and and get to the quarterback. Um, So I like Holy Cross's lineage at linebacker. I think this is where – linebacker you is in the Patriot League. Okay. Who you have? Bucknell. Not 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 angry at that either. Because again, I mean, you looked at it this past year, you had Ben Richard, you had Mark Piles. There were some good were, players. He has a very good and you said I mean you mentioned Holy Cross too. Um Nick McBeath. I mean He's with the Bucks, I believe. Monster. Ryan Brady is coming back. He's the only Monster. light one at 6'2", 220. Oh, he's light. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell that to the guy he's hitting. Exactly. But I think Bucknell, in terms of overall group, from the outside in, I think they have a very complete linebacking core at that school. They always have. And as you said, it's one of those places where they don't get the respect. Bucknell is always the team that's like just about to get there, and then they're like, meh. Mm-hmm. You know, right at the end. But it's not. It's never because of the defense. No. Nope. It's never because of the defense. So, all right. So, it's pretty even there, though. What about DBs? Where are you going? I have a tie. You have a tie for DBs. All right. I'm going with Bucknell, number one. I love their corners and safeties because okay, so they are one. aggressive. They're one. They're one. Lafayette. Lafayette going Quietly, right. secondary. They're strong in the secondary. They have been for quite some time, even when they were winning games. Even back when they had Ross Sherman, uh, the outstanding tailback that had a cup of coffee with the Pittsburgh Steelers. When they played the game in Yankee Stadium uh, against Lehigh, yeah. their secondary was excellent. They had a really good safety. They've always kept a really good safety. Um, but their corners are guys that are that are active. They, they play the ball well, and they just do a good job. For whatever reason, they just do a good job of having corners at that at that program. So Bucknell and Lafayette for me. And Lafayette, especially with uh, Philip Parham, who's graduated seven picks last year. See? Tremendous, but I didn't go with either one of them. Really, Colgate. Okay, I, oh, all right, all right. Colgate all right. very quietly safeties. Okay, they develop ball hawks at that school. So when you're talking about, you know, they again, you we talked about the so the cornerback screwed up and then the safeties bail them out. Right, the safeties are not bailing out the corners at Colgate. They are complementing the corners at Colgate. The, the corners do their job, and then the safeties polish them off. You had five different guys with multiple interceptions from Colgate last year. Five guys. That's impressive when you look at those numbers. Yeah. So, historically, I'll go with yours. Right here, right now, I'm going Colgate. Let's move into... Now, special teams. Are we doing kickers? No, just total special teams. Oh, you, to- oh, are we you, doing you, kickers, you, punchers, and then special teams? Or are we doing all together as one I'm, group? I did all together as one group. Okay. And it was an easy choice for me. If it was all together at one group, who you got? Georgetown. That's not who I picked. <laughs> really? Because, see, to me... I went Colgate. Well, yeah. Obviously, Colgate is good special teams-wise. They have dynamic returners, too. Yes. I think um, when you look at Georgetown, because they're they're you know under... I don't want to say... They're shorthanded. They got to win at least two or three aspects of a game. And nine times out of ten, their defense and special teams is the reason why. They have kickers that can hit 40-plus yarders. Their special teams coverage units is outstanding. 
They get at Christian Tate is one of the best pump blockers in the Patriot League. Yeah. So Georgetown, I again, not to toot my own horn, but being on the broadcast for a lot of Georgetown home games, seeing them up close win games specifically with their defense and yeah. special teams. That's why I wasn't shocked with your defensive line pick. But their special teams, I think, is consistent. It's good in all three facets. Um, and they, they, they affect the game. They block kicks. They return kicks. Yep. They block punts. You know, field goal block is excellent. They are good special teams-wise. All right. I can, I can definitely I can see but where you're But you have it broken down bit. into three. Well, I had it, I had Colgate as the best in terms of special teams, but in terms of returners. Okay. And in the kicking game, I got Bucknell in the punting game. Yeah, that's a good one. Bucknell in the punting game because Pitchkin is a good one. He was unreal this past yes, season. He's and, a and, weapon. He's it, a legit weapon. Like it's hard to like you don't get that often when you have oh the punter is the big weapon you know on you know in special teams game. He was legit defensive weapon. So we'll go with that. Now it didn't. I didn't have this originally on here, but I'm going to try to throw this to you with how the praise you've been giving the coaches. Yes, pick one. Are you crazy? Best that's like that's like asking me <laughs> pick you know my favorite child. Which I don't have. Um, <laughs> that you know of. If I had, right. If I had children, <laughs> if I had children, I couldn't pick the best one. Um, but I would say this. Okay. Patriot, as we're, if we're going to rank conferences by. By coaches? Give me the Patriot League. I would agree. I would agree from top to bottom for sure. It, it really is too difficult. I'm not even going to make a pick on this either. Because it really is. You look at all. Pretty much every school, you can't look and say, you know, oh, he has to you know, prove himself. Like, because even if you know, you look at Joe Collins, his first head coaching job, he's proved himself at Yale. Yeah, you know, he's proved himself as a coach at Yale. You know, you talk about, you know, Coach Hunt at Colgate. You can talk about Coach Garrett, and now in his second season, he's got two new coordinators, by the way, at Lafayette for this year, uh, in John Van Dam and Luke Thompson. But he's proven himself at you know, different stages across the line. So I, I would agree with that. It, it, it's a little too close to call. It's, it's a seven-way photo finish for best coach. Seven-way photo finish. I like that. I, I, hey, got to, gotta you know, get the respect where it's due and got to give the credit where it's due. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here on the program, on the podcast. When we come back, we've got a couple of news and notes that we're going to get to. We've got a couple of uh, interesting polls and interesting articles that we're going to cover. And shout out to Craig Haley. Shout out to Craig Haley. He uh, released his conference rankings uh, a couple weeks ago, which I'm trying to find at the moment, and it's I cannot find it. It's driving me crazy. Uh, but we're also going to talk about an article that came out on NCAA uh, that it raised a couple eyebrows, mostly mine and Emery's. But we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> let let you in on that, and then we're gonna get into the big games um, of the you know Patriot League, old time rivals and rivalries renewed ah. this season in the Patriot League. We will get to all of that here on the FCS Open Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We'll be back after this quick break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 
1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasekin here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. It is Patriot League week here at Football Game Plan. Um, let's get right back into the show here, Emery, because we got a lot to cover. we got a couple quick newts and notes that uh, we want to get to here that, again, were, I wouldn't say questionable, but they were surprising in a couple of ways. And let's talk about this first one. Uh, Craig Haley, our friend over at FCS Stats, Obviously, we know his work. We respect his work. Came out with his poll uh, a couple weeks ago, um, ranking the conferences from strong strongest to weakest. Okay. Now I retweeted this, and uh, we can't we can't find it. But I did find something. I think this was probably from. Now Craig can tell us if we're wrong. This is from May twenty third uh, this year. So right. this is the, I think this is the most recent one. I don't know if this is the one that I retweeted. Cause I feel like I retweeted this. Yeah. In, I think it was a little bit later. I think it was in July. Okay. So we'll two, see if maybe. we'll, we're working from this one, Craig, that, that we're, uh, we're talking about. Yep, actually. Yep. The May 23rd is the one I have here as well, but not too many surprises at the top. CAA number one, MVFC number two, Bison fans get on the Twitter. Um, <laughs> At, was, at, at, at Craig Haley. At Craig Haley, for sure. <laughs> uh, big Sky at, at, in at number three. Again, not a total surprise there. What I have Four, it gets interesting. Go ahead. Four, it gets very interesting. SoCon at four. Southland, five. Ooh, OV, spicy. OVC at the six. Ivy, seven. This is the one that shocked me. There were a couple that shocked me. This is the first one. Big South, eighth. Big South, eighth. Really? Northeast Conference at 9, Patriot League at 10, no respect for the Patriot League, MEAC 11, oh. just ahead of the SWAC, and Pioneer dead last, who we're going to cover next week, so don't forget to listen Shout to out to the, the Pioneer show. Shout out to the Pioneer League. MEAC in 11th. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's off. That's off. Well, and again, Craig is I'm outstanding. sorry, Craig, but... Craig is outstanding, but let's, let's, let's take a look at number four, first of all. <laughs> I think Craig. I think Craig's trying to get a spot on the uh, playoff committee with these kind of predictions. Yes, yes. That, it, you know, some, there's some spiciness here in, in this <laughs> list. But I will say this. Yes, I I, I, I can kind of understand his reasoning for the SoCon. Wofford has always been okay. in the playoffs. Yeah. Furman has been one of the blue blood programs. They've even had they've had their ups and downs. Uh, the Citadel has jumped on the scene as of late. Yep. You know, but they've been like legitimately strong playoff contenders. Sanford is Sanford, a real good football team. Yes. So I can kind of understand that, right? But. I, you know, but. Yeah, but, you know, I, I can, that's debatable. I would probably put maybe, wow, now that you think about it, I could probably make a case for the Ohio Valley. Or the Southland. Now, see, that's the one I... Southland I would, is weird. It's like the Big 12. Let, bingo. That, that's where I, let's have a discussion about the Southland because that's the one that I'm All thinking... All the offense. Yeah, exactly. No defense. Um, and if you have defense, you have no offense. But 
Central Arkansas, legit. Yep. Um, McNeese, legit. Sam Houston State, legit. Uh, who else we have in the Southland? I mean, you got some other teams that are up and coming too. You Nichols. got a program like you have a program like, like Incarnate Word, who's gonna. You remember they just got the offensive coordinator from Texas A and M. True, but so they, they just got they just jumped onto the they're scene. just jumping on. But I'm just saying, Lamar was you know, Lamar and Incarnate Word are too new to be included in this debate. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. You know, but Nichols, McNeese, um, Sam Houston, yeah, sometimes Stephen F. Austin. All right, something. See, I would probably put the OVC ahead of the South. Yeah, I, I I think an overall definite Big South at eight though, that kind of that that threw me a little bit. Would you put them over the Ivy League? I would put them over the Ivy. I mean, the Ivy is very strong. Like you have the, you, I mean, let's talk about it. you have the top two slash three. Right. Like that third spot is always rotating. Right now it is the Big Sky. So you have those top three from, for me, from four to nine, or at least four to eight. It's pretty close between the Ivy, the Southlands the SoCon, and the Big South. But Big South had two playoff teams. They did. But I will, the, sit, I will put them behind the Patriot League, to be honest. Wow. Hot take. <laughs> but MEAC, too. Yeah, that, that one is a little shocking. That's very shocking for me. Would I, you put the MEAC uh, over the NEC? Yes. I, was, I would put Miak over the NEC and the Patriot League. Not by, by much over the Patriot League, but by a, a slight bit. Okay. I, I, you know, so, the, the Miak, it depends. For me, uh, you have A&T, obviously. Central. Central. Um, it does slip a little bit after that. Bingo. But not that much, though. Because South Carolina Cause State they had Hampton. Be, I mean, I guess they're, maybe they're in factoring Hampton leaving. Maybe that's well, what he's doing there. Well, but. you also had South Carolina State was a playoff team, you know, a while. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know the swag. I you know you may not get that much of an argument out of me. Yeah. Uh, because the swag has quietly become a three team league. Yeah. Grambling, Alcorn, and Southern and Prairie View tend to rotate. Yeah. You know so. And then Pioneer, obviously, non scholarship football. Non scholarship and and you know, but the competitiveness has gotten better over the last. It, it was it was pretty balanced league last season. Yeah, it used to be a three team, or really a two team league. It used to be San Diego and Dayton. Yeah, and it, now Dayton's the, almost the one that's fallen off. You've, bingo. You know, you had Campbell rise. They obviously moved to the Big South now. All right, so now add Campbell to the Big South. Now the Big South has, like he mentioned, they lost Coastal Carolina. They've lost Liberty, but you get North Alabama. You get uh, Campbell. Yeah, that Presbyterian's act, always a pain in the butt. You know, Mammoth is 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 good. Kennesaw is a, a sleeping giant. So maybe maybe there's a a, a case here. It's an in, it's an interesting take. I mean, yeah. I, obviously, you know, Craig knows his stuff. You know, you should check it out for yourself, decide for yourself. He gives a little bit of an insight there as well to why why he put each camp conference where he did. Um, one other thing we want to talk about here it was an article that came out on NCAA.com. Oh, the home of the committee. Yes. And well, they're acting still like the committee because they had an article four teams that can beat North Dakota State. Now, Bison fans, I know you're. I know you. You've probably already been on this. You've already probably been on the case. But just in case you haven't heard, these are the four teams that NCAA thinks can beat you. James Madison, not a shock. You know, national champion two years ago, finalist again last year. South Dakota State, that's going to ruffle a few feathers because you got, you know, a rivalry game aspect there. But good offensive team, South Dakota State always. You know, and, and again, they've beaten them in the regular them, season. Right, they've beaten them before. So that's an easy one. Kennesaw. Are they good? 
Yeah. Are they North Dakota State good? Not yet. And then the last thing they had, Eastern Washington. What are you on, NCAA? I feel like they've beaten Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington has beaten North Dakota State at least once. And Eastern Washington, I mean, I know they're normally a power in the base guy. Last year, they were trash. Absolute trash. You really think they're going to pick up that much so they can get into a national final? The Kennesaw State take is an interesting one because we've seen North Dakota State dismantle option football. Yes. Charleston Southern, Wofford. Yeah. So I don't think Kennesaw State can beat North Dakota State with you know with their offense. I think honestly North Dakota State is well equipped to 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 defend option football. We've seen it before. Now, yes. granted, Kennesaw State is a different animal, but I've seen them take down the option game. So yeah. South Dakota State is the only legitimate one for me. Not even JMU. Oh, I forgot you mentioned JMU. Of course. Hello. <laughs> yeah, of course JMU. Guys that have done it already. Yeah, that's like that. That's that's, that's the, the layup. Like the <laughs> South Dakota State and James Madison, they're a layup. That's not even that's not even the layup. That's the you know you, you usually see these kids in high school that are like seven two right. in high school and they're they're on an eight foot hoop and it's it that's it's that kind of layup. It's, right. It's I, I'm reaching up and putting the ball in the net. I'm not even dunking. I'm just putting it there. Like you could take you could take uh, Kennesaw State out, and if you really want to get, you know. Hot takey or, or fancy. Okay. Since this is the Patriot League. No, you, you're not going to say it. You throw in Lehigh. Oh, you said it. Oh, no. You, so you think. Just offensively. Now, granted, they're going <sighs> to give up at least 500 yards on the ground to, to North Dakota State. <laughs> I was going to say, Bruce Anderson's going to have a field day. But the, the, but the sheer entertainment factor of it all. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair point. All right. Let's, all right. Let's get out of our news and notes. Let's get into the big games. Yeah. And let's start with one that we're both very excited about. We mentioned rivalries of old and rivalries renewed. And one of the great all-time rivalry games in college football is coming back finally this season, Holy Cross at Boston College. It's been a long time coming. The fans have wanted this. I know the coaching staffs have wanted this as well. This is a significant game in the Northeast. Oh, hey. Absolutely, these teams were were once legitimately football rivals, you know, until the FCS, you know, well, one A, one double split up, right before right. you know you had to. So, and they still play well until the mid to late eighties, you yeah. know, because uh, Boston College and, and Holy Cross, to be honest, because of the academics, they tend to recruit the same players. Yeah, you know, so yeah. this is going to be a great game because of the historic factor. Because of the regional factor, I'm excited to see that one kick off. Um, and, and yes, that's one game I have on my schedule involving Holy Cross. The other, no, mm-hmm. only have one on my my schedule. I, I'm interested to see September 1st, Lehigh St. Francis offense versus defense. That's an interesting one. I've got an, I do have another game with Holy Cross though. Okay, at Harvard. Okay, interesting ball game that again with what kind of offense Bob Chesney brings in. That could be a competitive ball game because Harvard has slipped a little bit. That's a winnable game, I think, for Holy Cross. Another game I have on the schedule, though, is Lehigh at Navy on September Ooh. 15th. Option football against Air It Out. That could be a really entertaining ball game. That's going to be kind of along the lines of what we saw when Fordham played Army. Yeah. Now, Fordham played Navy, but it wasn't the same thing. Like, right. Navy really dominated that game. But, yeah, that's a good one. I actually think, speaking of Fordham, from 
let's say September 1st to September 22nd. Their entire September schedule. It's rough. They're at Charlotte. That's a that's a winnable ball. That's game. a winnable game. They're at Richmond. Tough. That's a good matchup. Good matchup, but tough. Then they get back to back home games with Stony Brook. Tough. You know, got to win New York. The, yep. You know, five boroughs and Long Island, and you have Central Connecticut State, two you know playoff teams. Central Connecticut State, I think, is going to be a good judgment for where Fordham is going to be, because I think you know, I think Charlotte's a winnable ball game. Richmond, I think, is going to be difficult for them, even though mm-hmm. Richmond has lost Loletta. Um, Richmond is going to be good, man. Richmond is going to be good. Stony Brook has really come up nicely as a program. That's a good matchup for. That's Fordham. a recruiting battle. Yeah, that's a recruiting battle. But the Central Connecticut State game, I think, that's going to be a real judgment because I think. Again, this is historically this is a conference of defense. Mm-hmm. Where did Central Connecticut State really dominate last year? It was on the defense side of the defense, ball, right? So it's a really it's a good tune-up because then they go to they're staying at home and play Georgetown the next week. So that's a I think that's a good tune-up for them to get into that mindset of defense, defense, defense. And Georgetown always plays uh, for them tough. Yeah. Um, speaking of Georgetown, September eighth, Campbell. I think I chose that game because it's a it's a you know a, a litmus test. Yeah, Campbell now has scholarships. Georgetown still doesn't offer scholarships. Um, the only team in Patriot League that doesn't do so. But it, it's a you know this is a game that Georgetown usually would win. Right. So let's see how they compete now that the the DAC is stacked a little bit toward Campbell. Good judgment for Campbell too going B- into the Big South. Bingo because Georgetown's defense. Is is up there? You, you know they're one of the stronger defensive teams, and they're going to be challenged defensively uh, by Georgetown. I think that's going to be a good game. One more game that I had on my schedule too to look at is September 29th, Colgate at William and Mary. Yes, that's going to be a good, one. interesting ball game there. Because again, William and Mary had a very rough season last year, a season that historically never happens at William and Mary. It'll be interesting to see how the tribe rebounds because Colgate again was the best team in this conference last year. Colgate has some interesting opponents on their schedule. They they, they got Furman again. They got New Hampshire. They have Army at the end of the season. Cornell. And before they play Army on November 17th, they got Lehigh. And Fordham, both away. So They finished with three straight road games. That's brutal. And I also look at some more games I have uh, here. Lafayette and Delaware on September 8th. Flintness test. Fun one. A lot of people are talking about Delaware as being a dark horse uh you know, Final Four team. Yeah. Um, Lafayette, a lot of, they build on last year, you know, with the confidence they built with all them freshmen. This is a, a litmus test game. And October 20th against Bucknell, you know, this game, because of the rematch factor of how it ended last year, yeah. should be fun to watch. And Bucknell and Monmouth on October the 13th. I, I did the radio broadcast for that game last year, and Monmouth dominated Bucknell on yeah. both sides of the line of scrimmage. Unheard of for Bucknell. Revenge game. They're involved in two revenge games. Yeah. Well, on, I, my, on my list. You talk about, you know, all the offensive games and the you know high flying. For the fans of defensive football, there's gonna be nothing better than October sixth, Colgate at Bucknell. Oh wow. That's yeah. just gonna be punch you in the mouth football is what that's gonna be for all all four quarters. That is Lennox Lewis Evander Holyfield. Oh yeah, that's going all fifteen rounds. Yeah, that's going that 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 game could easily end three nothing, <laughs> right? Or two? No, you know what? Two nothing. The only points going to be scored are a safety. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't challenge that. I wouldn't challenge that. That's going to be a really good defensive battle to watch. That's going to be a war up front. Um, and one of the quick game I'll throw in there before we get to our takes team by team: Georgetown at Brown. 
Okay. Another one, again, you have a, you know teams that are kind of near the bottom of their respective conferences in the same area, kind of fighting for recruiting battle, that sort of thing. And also Brown, I think Brown Underrated is, defensively. Yeah, and because and, quietly they've had last year, uh, Jarvis was a senior bowl invite. So I think Brown is in a situation where Coach Estes has been there forever. Yeah. Um, but they kind of want to see the wins start to pile up. And this is a winnable game for Georgetown. All right, let's go quickly into our t- our team by team. Your your you know words of wisdom, right? For all seven of our teams here, and then we'll get a quick hot take out of both of us. Start with Bucknell again. Five and six last year had a pretty good season. Couldn't get it done in conference. What is what are we looking at for Bucknell this season? Well, they're getting production out of the offense uh, in the passing game is going to be key for them. Uh, there, you mentioned it earlier. They're they're usually a good team that that can run the ball. Uh, defense is always going to be excellent, even with replacing some pieces. Yep. Can they get production out of the passing game is going to be key. Colgate, team to beat last year? Are they the team to beat this year? And can they finish the job? Probably one of the more well-balanced teams in the Patriot League. Yep. You know, they could throw, they could run, they play good defense, good special teams. And I'm a big fan of sophomore quarterback Brett, uh, Grant Brenneman. His brother just retired from football. Uh, it's a shame because of the injuries, but mm-hmm. his brother Adam Brenneman was a phenomenal tight end at UMass. Uh, but Grant Brenneman um, is going to be excellent. Let's move on to Fordham, the Rams. Again, a program that's got a lot to build on. Can they put it all together and get some wins on the board? I believe the defense will be strong on the back end. I think their secondary is going to be good this year. We know what they bring for the tight end play. Bingo. And, and Conlon's offensive genius is going to be evident. And now they have to replace Chase Edmonds, but I think with the way he designs offensive schemes, I think they'll get a lot of production uh, out there running game. But I think their defense will probably be the story this year. Yeah. Let's move to Georgetown. Again, bottom of the barrel last year. Winless in conference, only one win overall. Better team than the record shows. Yeah, way better. And a great coaching job by, by uh, Coach Carlotta, who who does it you know, day in, day out with that program. Yep. He played at Georgetown, so he is Georgetown. The defense and special teams, they're ready to win now. The offense has to – if they can find offense, Georgetown is going to be a problem. you got two new uh, coordinators as well, new OC Rob Spence and defensive coordinator Kevin Darty. So, yeah. interesting to see with a new staff what kind of wrinkles they can add. Holy Cross, we talked about them. New man in charge, Bob Chesney, last year was a real roller coaster ride. Had a coach fired midseason, you know, in Tom Gilmore. Brian Rock took over in the interim. Rough season for Holy Cross. They've got the pieces in place. What do they do with it? I'm excited to see how the offense looks under Chesney. I know he's a defensive guy. Yeah. And with the pieces that he has at his disposal defensively, they're going to be flying around the football. They're going to be very fun to watch on that side. Offensively, I'm interested to see how they do and, and where they, they will take the the next step. Tough game, tough schedule with them as well. Yale, Dartmouth, and Harvard all on their schedule, along with New Hampshire and B.C. So, tough schedule. You're going to learn Holy a lot Cross. about Holy Cross this year. Yes. Lafayette, again, they had a freshman quarterback last year in Sean O'Malley. Broke him in, almost got him a win over Lehigh in his first season. Is Lafayette back near the top this time around? Young team that grew up last year, Mm -hmm. which is great. We saw this formula play out this past season with Yale. Playing freshman is tough. You're going to, you know, they're going to all take their lumps. But the good part is they're going to all take their lumps at the same time. Yes. So this year we should see the growth um, that they have. I think. You know, they, they found out what it takes to win games. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to know what that, that feeling is like and know what it takes. So they may be a sleeper team in the Patriot League. Lehigh, the defending conference champions, despite finishing 5-6 and six in the regular season, do the Mountain Hawks have a chance to repeat, or 
Are they going to finally run out of gas? They're rebuilding along the offensive line. That's going to be key. Brad Mays, I talked about how special he is, and they have Mays Don Bragalone. Yeah. yeah, so they're going to be good. It's going to be a solid team for sure. Hot take time. I have a couple of hot takes. Okay. Can I get? Can I use one of mine? Can I use mine so that knock way yours out? Because yours may be hotter than mine. You always have some hot takes. Four teams will finish above five hundred in the Patriot League. Oh. In overall standing, four teams will be over five hundred at the end of the season out of the Patriots. So we're gonna have some healthy debates for uh playoff come playoff time. I didn't say playoff time. I said over five hundred overall. Okay. And that ties into one of my hot takes. I wrote five down. One of my hot takes <laughs> two Jeez. playoff teams coming out of the Patriot League. I think it's possible this year. It's possible. I think it's possible. So that's that's possible. Uh Lehigh will have a good defense. <laughs> I'll believe that when I see it. Lafayette posts a winning record. I agree. Georgetown wins three conference games. Ooh. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. And Bucknell will average 24 points a game on offense. Okay, that's the hottest take of the bunch, right? Oh, you think that's the hottest one? <laughs> I think that's the hottest one of the bunch I right thought, there. I thought my Lehigh would have a good defense was the hottest one. No, I think Bucknell will have a winning record. I don't think they're lining anybody up on the scoreboard, though. I think Bucknell about the air it out interesting interesting folks that's gonna do it for our patriot <laughs> league podcast again who we got next week ah uh, the pioneer league now th- <laughs> kind of known as the land of misfit toys for <laughs> division one fcs that's football funny. the uh again non-scholarship football i so, like it though because it's d1 football so more programs need to follow this blueprint restart your football program especially these teams out west in california your pacifics your northward state your uh uc uh uc santa barbara your uh who's another one that dropped football that long beach state restart football non scally have a west coast division of the pioneer league i think we've just found ourselves a hot take we'll talk about that again we have the uh we have campbell moving on yeah. From the Pioneer. Does anybody challenge San Diego, who's been a powerhouse in that division? Because they have no one to challenge them out west. That's why you need Long Beach State. You need San Francisco, the Dons. You need all the schools out west to challenge them. They're recruiting the entire state of California by themselves. But will they get a challenge, perhaps, from inside their own conference right now? Yeah, they will. Of course I think, they will. I think there are, some, there are some teams, as the Pioneer League correspondent from last season. Shout out to Valpo. There are some teams that are going to be a little bit more of a headache than people give them credit for in the Pioneer League this upcoming season. We'll get to all of that. Uh, a lot of big running backs as well in that league, so we'll talk about your favorite position. Yes. And see what uh, what can possibly come out of the Patriot League. Oh, the Patriot League. It's not scholarship. Why should we watch this? It's a Pioneer. Pioneer. Whatever. It's I, I'm tired. It's late. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. But we'll get into that again. Pioneer League next week. And then after that, we've only got, what, three conferences left to go? Yeah, and, and, you know, all leading toward our football game plan, FCS kickoff preseason All-American team, our playoff uh, predictions, um, and season predictions, you know, as far as, like, you know, who's going to win. The big board. Yeah, the big board. Big board. We're going to throw it out there. (laughs) For for, uh, playoff teams, and we'll try to get inside the warped mind of the committee and see where (laughs) – where their mind travels. It'll be interesting to go through that process. But again, Pioneer League next week. We still got the SOCON, the Southland, and the SWAC to go. Um, Going to be an interesting podcast next week, I think. I think it will be. I think a lot of teams in the Pioneer League. A lot of teams in the Pioneer League. A lot of things to talk about. And again, with the non-scholarship aspect, 
you never know. It all depends on who you can get to go into your academic programs to go into the football program. So again, folks, thanks for listening in. If you want to listen back on this podcast at any time, it is on demand on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Um, you can listen to this one. You can listen to the NEC. You can listen to the CAA, Big Sky, whatever you want to do. And don't forget, Emery's got a whole bunch of content coming up this week on the Patriot League. Um, everything from the recruits to his predictions, actual predictions of who's going to win the whole thing. Um, pro prospects, all pro that. Pro prospects, the whole thing. It's all going up on footballgameplan.com. It's all going on up on YouTube slash footballgameplan. Check it out. It's all phenomenal. And this guy actually knows what he's talking about. It's hard to find that nowadays. A lot of people are just uh, talking out of their rear ends. Yeah, they, they are. Um, <laughs> so. There's only a few in this space that, that really can, you know, Craig is one of them. Craig does a great job, yes. you know, uh, going going with stats. I feel like Craig is the only one over there, man. Like, Craig is with Athlon, all that stuff, you know, all these outlets. Craig is the man. Yeah, and check out some of the stuff on SCS Stats. Uh, Craig and his staff over there, they got uh, everything from the 10 best players returning to, in FCS this past year. They're talking about they have a preseason quiz I like for that. the FCS 2018. Um, you have the... All, all sorts of news and notes. You got everything you want on there. You got highlights even. And if, so, you, if you have any complaints about the stuff that we talk about here on the FCS kickoff, just at our complaints department at Craig Haley on Twitter. <laughs> like, fill up his inbox. <laughs> Did someone catch the number of that bus that just rolled through? <laughs> Folks, thanks again for listening in. We'll be back with the Pioneer League next week. Thanks for listening.